Welcome, welcome. It's the Mina's House Podcast, episode 149. I mean to say what? Um, Shana B. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> <next> the one. <laughs> nah, I'm uh, Sherlock Homeboy, a.k.a. Garnett Briscoe. I'm in the building. Look, look, it's back to good old times, just me and you. Yeah, that, that, this reminds me of uh, pre-pandemic. Yes, pre-pandemic. So we had the perfect storm of situations. All of our cast members are jet setting. Mm -hmm. Shayna is in Atlanta, and Dex is coming back from St. Lucia. Apparently, he made it, and um, (laughs) it looks like his coronavirus test came back negative. Last week, we were talking about how he was worried uh, because they weren't giving him his results, so... It's back to you and me, Sherlock Homeboy. See, look, special moment. I got my wine glass. I never bring this out, but I got my wine glass, my wine. Did you steal that glass from someone? No. (laughs) It's mine. I actually, um... (laughs) So, no, see, you out here shooting jokes. I I, I see what you got going on. No, it's not. (laughs) So that's kind of an inside joke between Garnett and I. So Garnett used to live with me for like one week, right? <laughs> and I remember while he was staying with me for like it was like more like two weeks. It was like two weeks, right? Yeah. Why uh while Garnett was staying with me, I have this mug that I got from when I graduated Syracuse University. And it's like the one mug that I don't use, you know? It's like that's my graduation mug. Like, it's just there for decoration or whatever. So, Garnett took the mug, and I had a fit. I was like, you took my Syracuse University mug? I know. I know. I just needed a mug to put my tea in to go to work. Out of all mugs. Like, I, I, I grabbed it like, uh, it looks like she just don't use this. Like, let me on purpose. Yes, I didn't know it was on purpose. It was next to all of the cups that you use. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad that that's your your glass and <laughs> someone else's. Got this wine tasting. <laughs> uh, look. So let's hop right into it. We have uh, someone joining us today. Is Jamisa? She's a real estate agent. You know, we've been talking to a lot of people on the uh, podcast recently. We've talked to Skip Marley. Uh, we spoke to Paloma Ford last week. Who else mm-hmm. did we speak to? Um, Sukiana. Yep, Sukiana. Uh, we talked to Molly Brazy, who's up and coming. So we've just been having a lot of guests. So I'm like, let's talk about something real. Let's talk about buying a home in the current job market. I know, you know, in the pandemic, um, especially when we were all locked down, I saw a lot of people trying to buy homes or because mm-hmm. everything was cheap. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to Jamisa about that. So she'll be joining us in a bit. But let's hop right into what's in our feed. So did we see this coming? Uh, Cardi B and Offset hanging out for her birthday weekend. They're saying they're back together. Did we see this coming? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I just feel like, man, they, they... Clearly, they do love each other. They, they they have a child. You know, it's still kind of fresh love, but it's very toxic and turbulent in a sense. But it seems like it. they are probably going to go back until somebody really messes up. I mean, it was her birthday. I believe they were celebrating, right? Yeah, I mean, as a man, it's going to be really hard for you not to tell your wife or ex-wife, whatever y'all going through, happy birthday. 
she's going to accept, you know, accept at least a thank you and then just move on from there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too surprised or shocked. I mean, I, I just hope they can work it out at the end of the day. I hope she's not using this. I'm getting a divorce as like a manipulation kind of thing at this point, because this is twice Ooh. now, you know, and like, you can't keep using the divorce as a way to get him to act right. Yeah. You know, because you, there's only so many times you can pull that card, you know, at a certain point that car's not going to work anymore. If every time you're going to be like, Oh, I'm getting his, it's like a, it's like a breakup mm-hmm. in the relationship. Like you keep threatening. Oh, I, we won't break up. Oh, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna do this at a, at a certain point. It's not going to work anymore. Eventually he's going to be like, okay. <laughs> right. Or when you say it, he's not going to even, he's not going to change his behavior at all. Cause it's part of your game. So, um, I didn't think about that. Well, I don't think it's her trying to be manipulative on purpose, but I do think it's a little manipulative to threaten the relationship just because you're having issues, you know? <laughs> and if you're going to threaten the relationship, make sure you're ready to go, girl. You know, um, don't just say I, I'm, I'm going to get a divorce and then you back together like a month or two months later. Like, that's a serious thing. Y'all got a marriage. This ain't a, this ain't a relationship. Right. You know, this ain't a like, oh, we're going to break up. Like, you go through with divorce. That's a serious situation. You got to separate your name, separate all that stuff. If you have a uh, property together, we're talking about property later. Yeah. But um, if you have property together, how do you split that up? You're going to have to sell it and split, split it evenly. Like, this is not an easy thing. Yeah. So I was just worried about that, you know, I, I, because it's like the boy that cried, cried wolf. You keep crying divorce, he's not going to listen to it anymore. Yeah, I, it's, yeah I, that's a really good point. Like I said, just bringing that up as far as whether it's notable or not, you know, whether she notices what she's doing. But I, he maybe he also warranted that, too. I mean, just from his behavior, you know, so I'm guessing that's the only way she feel like she can keep something that she really want. If, you know, those are the reasons why she's doing it. Yeah, I know someone in my personal life who's actually going through the same situation. I think I think there's steps before where I'm going to file for divorce. Go straight to the end. Right. The- like there's steps before that. Like there's OK. We're going to separate for a little bit. Like, I don't like how you're treating me. I don't like how this is going. Clearly, they have issues, but clearly they love each other. That's normal. In every relationship, in every marriage, you love this person, but I got issues. The whole point is, how do we make it work? You know, you don't run to divorce every time you're like, oh, I'm tired of of your stuff. It's like there's stuff in between. There's separation. There's, let's go to counseling. I was just about to ask that. Is that like, has that been put out there by them at all? As far as that's something that they did or they're going to try or it's always just been um, breaking up or. uh... I mean, I don't know. You know, we don't even know if they're back together. We just know that they were having a good time and clearly that, you know, uh, they've been around each other. You know, she was drunk. Right. So, um, I don't know if they're all the way back together. I'm just saying, you know, it, I think this is a reflection of a lot of relationships out there and there's, a, there's this back and forth that a lot of people go through. And I just think that people need to be careful with the divorce mm-hmm. card or the let's break up card because 
I mean, if you're gonna run away from stuff every time it gets hard, like you're is you're gonna it's gonna it's gonna just gonna build a bad foundation. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I don't know if they've talked about counseling, but I know in our communities, um, the second you try to tell a man like well, I think we need to go to counseling. <laughs> like that's not gonna go. That's yeah. not gonna go very well every time, you know. Cause the, that counselor gonna ask all of the hard, rough questions that <laughs> we don't want to answer. I don't even know if that's if it's that or it's more so like people don't think there's anything wrong with them. Like I think we that's think true. that we need counseling when we're like crazy or like mentally ill or whatever. You know, like. No, you can go to counseling for anything. You can have childhood trauma. Maybe you got a problem with your parents, problems with your sisters, your siblings. Maybe you got problems in your relationship. You know, I know a lot of people who, when they get angry, they yell. That's an issue. You know, like that's something to go to counseling for. You know, like if you, just if a, you, just if a you, little yell, a little yell. Every time you yell at every time we got a problem? <laughs> a little yell. Huh? Look. Oh, you one of those that be yelling all the time? Uh, no. You know my, my voice can't even go that loud. <laughs> what am I going to say? I just think, like, if your first thing is I'm going to yell at you, like, you need to be able to talk to people. That You yelling is is just... It, and it's her, it, it happens in our families. My mother deals with everything with yelling. And so I just be like, mom, you can't just talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, why you got to jump to everything got to be on 10 and you got to yell about everything. I even be having to check myself sometimes because we grow up in these environments and we have these in these families where this is how we communicate. We yell, we get angry, we throw stuff. It's like, that could be something you go to counseling for. How do I deal with my emotions and not yell and be all physical and crazy? I agree with that. You can go to counseling for that. Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> what? A little yell is okay. Just a little bit. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm not saying like you yell once and you go to counseling, but if like this is the only way you can deal with your issues, you yelling, you doing like that's mad dramatic. Yeah. And mad toxic. It's a lot. Yeah. I, one of my best friends in high school, every, you know, every time him and his girl used to get into arguments, she used to try to cut him. Like, girl. Wow. Right. And, like, she never cut him, but she would try. And I was like, you need to go to counseling, girl. Why, right. why, why every time you fight with someone, you trying to cut somebody? Now, what was her ethnicity? I'm, I'm not even going to put it I'm not even going that's, to that's very important now, Mina. That's important. <laughs> I'm not going to even play to that stereotype. <laughs> I'm going to leave you guessing, okay? <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, your boy Tori got charged. Mm-hmm. Yep, I see. Uh, he was charged with assault with a semi-automatic firearm and also for carrying an unre unregistered <laughs> loaded firearm in a vehicle um it's so crazy how the narrative changed now that he's been charged <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it makes everything real to people because mm -hmm. there has to be evidence for you to even charge someone right i mean yeah it's it's, it's just a lot out there uh how how i feel about it um i mean 
if this is something that he did do, yes, he should be charged. And yes, he should be persecuted as well. Um, I also believe the deeper thing than that is what now what do we do to the people that we persecute for the crimes that they did? I feel like because of these things, it's a lot of uh, what we were talking about counseling and therapy, I feel like needs to get attended to because if, once again, if this is true, if this is something that he did or anybody else that's involved in this situation probably need therapy too. Um, because we need to know where that anger generated from. Like why, just what we were talking about, why did it go from one to a hundred and split? Right. What was the thing that made that happen? Is it just yeah. negligence? I don't believe so. I, I would like to believe that all of them are, you know, pretty intelligent and know right from wrong. Um, so from there, you know, I, I, I would just say it's a deeper thing. I, I, I do believe that, you know, if these things are true, he should be, you know, uh, prosecuted. You know, that's, that's a horrible, horrific crime to do to anybody um, if these things are true. But there also has to be some kind of resolution to that as well. And I feel like these talks have to be had within our culture and within our community so these things won't happen again. So, I mean, you know, if, if everything, you know, goes bad for him or whatever, you know, he, he could be a walking testimony on, you know, how to get through situations like this and how to come out a better person. So I think at the end of it, I just hope everybody become better people. Yeah, I mean, I think he blames it on the fact that he was drunk, but I'm like, I never have, I've never been drunk and wanted to shoot somebody. (laughs) Like, there's there's something under there. It's not that I was too drunk, you know? Um, There is something under there to explore. and And it goes back to like kind of what we were saying before, how, you know, some people don't know how to deal with their anger in the moment where they're having like an argument in a relationship. And yeah. people zero literally go zero to 100. They go from, uh, let's talk about this, to yelling and screaming and crazy, and in this particular situation, shooting. So it's like yeah. these, are, these are things that we have to deal with in our community where it's like we need to learn how to deal with our emotions a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're all, you know, we're all – it's something everybody needs to do. I need to do it. Everybody needs to do it. There's stuff sometimes where I'm like, damn, why did I let that get me that angry or that riled up? Like that shouldn't have triggered me the way that it did. So it's like, I I feel like you're right. He does need to explore why he did this. And I think that, you know, I think that for Megan, this really is a vindication for her Mm -hmm. because a lot of people were still not acknowledging or believing her story because he wasn't charged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't think he's going to do jail time. I mean, do you, do you think he's going to do jail time? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. It, it, it really depends on, I guess, what goes through. Um, I know it said together he's facing up to, I guess, like 20 something years, I believe. I think it's um, a, a minimum of eight. Minimum of eight. And um, then a max of 24, I think I, I read. See, it's it's just rough because you you also never know if, you know, the people that make these decisions, you know, really want to make an example of someone, especially in a situation that they kind of have the right to if these things are true. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure even with the does he get deported? Like what what really happens in this situation? Is he not allowed back in the U.S.? 
what's the stipulations? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm not sure if he's gonna do any jail time or anything for it. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I got to say on that a little bit. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what happens here if they do deport him. Um, I didn't even think about that to be honest. So I think they would probably deport him before they give him jail time. I just I just think that they're probably gonna have him do probation. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, like uh, pro- probation and, you know, pay some fines and do some some um, counseling. I really think in this situation, he needs some counseling. Yeah, this is it's, it's, it's inexcusable for anybody in that vehicle or to, to leave that situation with a bullet wound. Uh, right. Form, you know, especially, uh, you know, whether it's drinking or not. Um, you know, and to definitely have a woman on the other end of this situation is 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 very, very scary. It's very scary. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, I wonder if Megan wants him to go to jail. Uh, probably not. She 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 handled it in a way where I think she also feel bad for him in a sense, but dude. You shot me. You know what I'm it's <laughs> right. like, I got bullet holes because of you. It's like, I really don't want to, you know, put you in a position to have you go away because I know what that means. Right. That's, that's ending a lot of, you know, you have family, you know, but at the end of the day, you did also make the mistake. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always an uncomfortable position when someone does something to you and you know that like, okay, you did wrong. I want you to be punished for it. But at the same time, you don't want that, that person, especially like thinking about a man being put into the system. You know, we know all the long-term repercussions that come from being involved with the system period. Mm -hmm. So in this current like climate, you, you do feel bad. You do feel guilty, but at the same time, this person shot you. (laughs) You gotta do what's right. Right. Like, and not, and not only that, but it sends a message of like, you can't go around just shooting people thinking that there's not going to be some kind of and then go make a retaliation. And, and, you know, you got to look at how things added up. Maybe if you don't drop that album, this don't happen. You know, like what, what was, you know, how did, how did they feel about everything? Right, exactly. Like, is there any remorse in what happened because you dropped the whole album? That's Mm -hmm. another good point. So our guest is joining us. Hello, Jamisa. <laughs> You're going to have to turn on your... Uh, they, oh, she, you know what? She is a pro. Okay, girl. <laughs> How are you? All is well. How are you? Good. Welcome to the okay. Mina's House podcast. We're two members short. They're jet setting. But uh, myself, Mina Sewa, and... Garnett Briscoe, a.k.a. Sherlock Homeboy. We are Hi. both here. Hey, girl. I was listening to the conversation. It was very interesting. That's why I had to mute it because I was over here talking to myself like, right. <laughs> so, so what do you? Well, what do you think about that? You know, uh, Tory getting charged, then uh, you know, kind of the difficult position that Megan's in. In you know, I mean, they were dealing with each other. They were together. There was a romantic relationship there. It's clear, and it's like there's like a kind of like a. You feel bad, I'm sure, for trying to put someone out there on Front Street. But at the end of the day, this person wronged you. I feel like there's a level of accountability that has to be had um, one way or another. I just think since they are celebrities, their lives are put 
in front of us to see. It could have been like an error. I don't know what happened because I didn't shoot somebody in the foot by accident. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Um, I just think that the transparency of it all would make the difference. Like him just taking accountability, apologizing, saying, hey, I did this. This was wrong for whatever the reason I did it. Not making excuses. Not, oh, I was drunk. Not, oh, with this. We are humans and we do things sometimes that we're not proud of. Um, it's just for them, some of their not so proud moments are not in the dark like ours. Like if I do something bad, y'all not going to know unless I make it a public thing. And for them, they kind of have to deal with it in front of everybody because it's embarrassing for her too, I'm sure. Just being, having to make that decision in front of everybody, that's pressure. Like if she forgives him, it's us judging her like, oh my God, you're stupid. Why'd you do that? If she doesn't, it's like, oh, you're putting a black man in the system. Like it becomes a thing. And it's unfortunate that it has to be viewed in the, the public eye, but I do think that there's something that needs to happen because there is something to be said about just gun safety all around. It's crazy. Before we got here, I was driving with my son and he's seven, and we talked to him about like just gun safety. He'll, he'll tell you guns are to protect yourself, they're not toys. Don't aim it at something you don't want to shoot. Just stuff like that. And I think that out in the world, it's like a cool thing to have a gun or a cool thing to, because they say he's not even supposed to possess a firearm. So right. He had, it was a gun he wasn't supposed to have. And I think that being though he is a celebrity, seeing him reprimanded in front of everybody might set the tone. You know what, too? I think for him, if he really admits that he did this, I think his career, I don't know, I feel like he might feel like his career is done. You know, especially in the time that we're in, you know, and Megan has really come forward with this whole protect black women thing since this has happened. So considering the time, I think for him to even admit it is like kind of like career suicide right now. Yeah. He'll survive it. Chris Brown had a dispute with Rihanna and that was like abuse is never okay. And that's a bad thing, but you got to stand what you do one way or another. Like if you're a good artist, you're a good artist, um, regardless of your faults and your wrongs. There are a lot of celebrities that do a lot of shameful things, but they still have a fan base. Child, like, look at R. Kelly. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I just didn't want to go that far, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll go that far, girl. Because yeah, that I don't understand. A little old. But, you know, when you have a fan base, they won't rock with you. Because we're people. They do things that's wrong. You can't say, oh, we can't. We're, this is the cancel culture. As soon as a person do something, we're like, oh, we're canceling them. Yeah. I, think, I do think there's room for error. And I do think that everybody deserves a second chance. But before that, you have to be accountable first. Like, second chance from what? You didn't even admit your first wrong. Right. You know? I, I actually agree. I think that this could be a learning lesson, not only for, you know, the, the parties that are involved, but for the entire culture on how to handle conflict, how to handle, like you were saying, a mishap, um, where we could talk this out, take accountability for what's going on. Because, right, you know, we're taught, you know, never snitch or never do this or never yeah. do that. Or to the point where, you know, a person that was done wrong is afraid to speak up. And, you know, speak just speak up for themselves about what's right and what's wrong. It took this, this woman, you know, weeks to even say something. She had to be provoked. And that's not a healthy thing for anybody, let alone a woman in this situation. She should feel comfortable enough to, you know, say, hey, this person did it. And then not, feel, you know, get any backlash or ridicule, uh, ridicule yeah. for it. But I do believe that this is a teaching moment for everybody. And I think the accountability will would help. Um, I think, honestly, would speed up the process of 
the cancel and then get your fans back. I it's think. inevitable. If you really did this, it's inevitable. Right. You have to go through that process. Right. When you go to jail for it, we're not the judge, okay? The people that's in the court system the ones who are going to judge you. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a culture, we are taught how to feel, how to think, how to react, and how to behave. And I think that this um, is very unfortunate and tragic, but this could be like the icebreaker for they, at the very least, because what she's experiencing is a level of bullying. It's a level of bullying. Oh, absolutely. She's being bullied. Um, and then him, like him making an album, I feel like that was the only way he may know to express himself the right way. But it's like, as a celebrity, there is some, and I'm like dealing with it at a really low level as an influencer. It's like you are a public person and it's really hard to keep a private lifestyle with that. It's like once you become a person, you open up yourself to the opinions of the world, whether right, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent. So I just think that it's like a nervous thing too for him. Yeah. But you gotta like stand on it. Like if this is what you signed up for, you have to like stand on it. Mm -hmm. That's it. To be honest, it's kind of annoying me that he's dragging this out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like inevitable. It's on. You are on my nerves. Like, if he would have came and like, yo, look, I shot her. I was wrong. I think I would have more sympathy now. He's he's working. He's irking my nerves now. Cause now he now I feel like he's playing with it. Like, no, I didn't do it. Like, all right, well, who did then? You playing a lot of games. You say, oh. Kelsey ain't do it, which is Megan's friend. Then who did it? You playing a lot of games, and that is really, for me at least, and I'm the kind of person, once I'm done, I'm done. Like, I'm done with Trey Saul. I'm not Trey Saul. I'm done with R. Kelly. I'm done with him. You know, Trey got one or two more incidents, and then I'm done with Trey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so for me, I'm like, I, I, you're starting to get into that box of I'm done with you just because as a man – I just have no respect for someone who can't take accountability for a wrong that they, they did. Uh, yep. It's crazy. So, but like, I don't know. I felt so many different ways about it. And it's just crazy. That just boils down to the celebrity thing because we all have opinions about something that we know nothing about. Like, we don't know if she got shot. Is it proof? Did we see her? Like, did we he did. really Oh, did you guys saw it? I yeah. She sh that's, that was the sad part. She had to show she us bullet show holes <laughs> for people to be like, oh, you really got shot because people were like, well, how is she twerking in the Megan video? Didn't she just get shot? How is she working? Like, y'all really, saw it. I didn't see it. I saw it. it there's th there were stitches and everything. <laughs> that's horrible that she even had to go through those links to prove any. This crazy. Like, that's what I'm saying. This is all crazy. Right, right. All right, so Jamisa, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You're an influencer. You're into investments. You do real estate. You know, like we just want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and uh, talk to our listeners about this stuff. You know, a lot of the times we're talking about messy stuff. <laughs> right. You know, so um, you know, every once in a while we sprinkle in a little like here. Here's a level up gem. You know, we had like a, a, a credit guy on um, a couple of pods ago, a couple of months, maybe last year to talk about credit. So, you know, can you talk about what you do real quick? Well, I'm a real estate investor. I purchase properties. Um, I used to flip them. Now I'm a buy and hold because I'm also a mommy. So I have little people. Uh, congratulations. The comfort level. Thank you. of having passive income. So I'm currently 27 and I have 23 properties and I put them all in cash. So I have one mortgage. I gotta stop saying it. I bought all of them except one. 
and cash. So what I do is I teach people like just the importance of investment and I kind of break the myths of just what that looks like. Like you need a lot of money or you need credit or houses cost a million dollars. Like I just debunk all of those things because it's not true. And I teach people how to create generational wealth for themselves. Like this is where you start. This is how you get it done. So you're 27 years old and you have how many houses? 23. So we're they're all under your name? <laughs> so I'm not under my LLC because you have properties in your name, but yeah, they're all mine. They're mine. What? How do you even? That's like a house a year. How do you do that? And that's made up time. There's <laughs> a, a couple houses a year, sometimes a couple houses at a term. Um, I started at 19 years old and my first property i purchased it from my grandma it was really cheap it was like 300 dollars. it was like uh you know one of those things i didn't know what i was doing she asked me to do it hey look over this property for me sure grandma no problem um and then she passed away a year later like after we did it and i was like uh oh i own a real house because once you own a house that somebody else lives in and cares for it, it doesn't really mean anything because you're not responsible for it. Right. When you passed away, it became a thing where I was actually responsible for it. So like taxes, deferred maintenance, leaks, squeaks, all of that stuff. And I'm like, just turning 20 at that point. I'm like, I don't know what I signed up for. Right. Um, it looks kind of scary for me. So I venture off in the beginning, just learning about houses with that house, like trying to fix it up learning numbers meeting contractors like all of that scary stuff i kind of the worst that. it was horrible i'm sorry the worst <laughs> and uh my way out was to sell it so that's what i did i ended up selling a property for one hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars, and it was great because i was 20 so i felt rich right and then i realized that i could have sold the property for three hundred thousand. so then i felt dumb <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, where's the price? That's like $250,000 less. You know, what did I do wrong? Right. And I became really intrigued just with the idea that, because the house was not in really good shape. So I was like, okay, a house that looked like this is worth that much? Why? How? Right? And then I also had something to prove. But, you know, we got the stereotype. You're young, you're black, you got money. She's going to Miami. <laughs> that's <laughs> where that's where Dex is right now in Miami. <laughs> that's like that's like a thing, and I just always was a rebellious person, so I was like, no, that's not going to be my thing. So I reinvested everything that I made and buying houses, and I did it like the craziest way, finding people on Instagram, like, hey, you, you sell houses, I'm going to buy one. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was a crash test dummy for real estate. It was crazy. Like, I was literally buying houses anywhere that I could buy. Them. I was overpaying, underpaying, buying houses that I didn't even see. Um, I was going to auctions. I started just to kind of learn a lot. And then my journey of that, spending this 152, being my crash test dummy, I realized that, wow, it wasn't that hard in the beginning. And damn, I didn't even have to sell her house. I could have kept that and refied. There was equity. Like, you start to learn terminology. And you start to pick up on trends and things from different areas. So, one day, I ended up at an auction. But yeah, I had a little over 100000 So, I come in there like, Kanye, I'm like, yeah, it's on. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. And the house was $1,700. And I was like, huh? I could have did this without money. And then I got one for $600. And I was like, yeah, this got to be a joke. A house? A house. Uh-huh. The cheapest house I've ever purchased was five hundred dollars. Where at an au- at an auction? It was at an auction. Yeah. Why would why would someone sell a house for five hundred dollars? Well, it's not a someone. It's more of a something because it's the legislation. So, like, 
a state, obviously, the municipality of the state or uh, whatever city, they have a bunch of inventory. And sometimes, you know, if you ride through a certain neighborhood, you have a bunch of just abandoned property. They're all sitting there. So their job is to pretty much like recycle those properties and make them taxable again because they're losing money. If you have a property that's sitting there and an owner died or the owner just tapped out and said, I can't afford to pay taxes, as a state or city, you're then losing money. So now I got to auction it off to somebody else so I can be able to make money. It's like if you went to a car auction and you got a Bugatti, it's like, why the hell am I paying half the price for a Bugatti? But it's at the auction because obviously its value is not as high as a showroom car. So it's the same thing. It's just a different concept. It's a house versus a car. But that's what ends up happening. So they resell these houses below market value to pretty much replenish their area. Mm. So you spoke early. By the way, it seems like you're filled with so much uh, knowledge just from experience. Like just hands-on experience, which I think is beautiful. Um, Would you suggest someone to go to school for this would that be an easier route or do you feel like the route that you you know were, were forced to take you know was easier or was it just easier for you that's a good question i feel like you asked me so many things i'm gonna unpack it so i went to real estate <laughs> school i did okay okay all right i learned the terminology i learned how to use contracts however being an agent is very different from being an investor Okay, so being an agent, you work under a brokerage, whether that's like Remax, Berkshire Hathaway, whatever. Being an investor, you kind of have free reign. So I did not get my license. I felt like that was extortion. I told you I was rich till I had one fifty. I was like, oh, <laughs> commission? What commission? Leave me alone, right? So I did learn it, but I realized that it was like, um, really, it, it puts a cap on you as an agent because you have to fight for the good listings. You have to get commission. You then have to split it with the broker. It was just a lot of different things. Experience is the best teacher. For anything, not just real estate, for any lane. If you went to school to be a doctor and you read all of these books and you were in school for 10 years, those books are not going to prepare you to do open heart surgery. It's just not. Once you see that person on the table and that blood kick in, that book is <laughs> out of the window. It's fight or flight. You You're like, the- wait, this was on page 52. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm bleeding. Wait a minute. Day. I got <laughs> Same thing, like, I'm a parent. I remember reading all of these pregnancy books. Like, this is how it's going to go, this is how it's going to go. When it's time to push, you can't even think about what you read. So I think experience is the best teacher. Is it easier for me? No, but I enjoy it more. And that's another thing. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Ownership is for everybody. Real estate as a career is not for everybody. You got to kind of find your lane. Yeah. I bought a house that has a tree in it. It made me want to throw up. I was scared to death. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I thought tree houses going on the outside. This is a real thing. That wasn't easy for me. Yeah. But being that I was eager and hungry and I wanted to keep learning, it was it was cool. I survived it. I know other people, they would, that's it. Even down to when I sold the house with $250,000 cheaper, most people would have, oh, this is not for me. I got robbed. I don't know what I'm doing. I quit. Let me just stop. Let me quit while I'm ahead. That wasn't me. I was like, okay, let's go find the two fifty. <laughs> and you know, I was on my way. So no, it's not easier. Um, it's going to have challenges. Real estate is challenging, but it's really simple and it's necessary because it's everything that everybody lives somewhere, whether you own it or you rent it, uh, you're born in a hospital, you die, you get buried. When you like step out your door, somebody owns that when you're driving, it's like nothing that you can do that doesn't involve real estate down to what you eat. The food is grown on somebody's farm. So they own that. You know, so it's like, you got to have something. Ownership is really, really important, especially in the times we live in now. 
However, it brings me up when I go on Instagram and YouTube and I see the people, flip this house, flip it. You want to get started with no money? This is for you. You want to quit your job? No, it's not for everybody. Everybody <laughs> got their lane. Definitely own something for your own legacy and your own well-being. You don't got to come out here and buy a million houses if you don't want to. That was something that I wanted to do. That was something that I took an interest in. So I'm promoting home ownership all day. Right. So that's why I wanted to have you on here because I bought my first house when I was 27. And it's funny, you're 27 and you have 23. <laughs> I bought my first one at 27, but I remember being scared to buy a house only because I didn't know much about it. The terminology really was intimidating to me. And my mother's one of eight. My uncle was the only homeowner in the family. You know, he had his house. My aunt had a house, but in a different country. So everything's different and cheaper in, in different countries. So I, you know, my mother herself did not own a house. You know, she always talked about how people on my father's side owned the house. But in general, I didn't grow up in the environment where we're paying mortgage and my mother's responsible for fixing stuff in the house. I didn't grow up in that environment. So buying a house was really intimidating to me. But um, I remember when I finally started making six figures, you know, it was important for me to buy a home. That was the first thing. So instead of buying the Gucci and, you know, the Louis bags and, and, and the Chanel and all the stuff that people buy when they start making six figures, I stacked up all my money and I bought my first house when I was 27. Then I bought my second house at 29. So now that I've bought two homes, I definitely feel like it's not that hard to do. But I remember initially that hesitation, you know? Yeah, so it was new. What would you recommend for people to have together when they're, they're thinking about even ha getting a house? So that's like so cool that you said it. The terminology and all the things you went through, um, I almost, it was different than that of the investor route because you went with the 30-year mortgage. <sighs> They're going to kill me for saying this. I hate it. I hate the idea of it. Like, I, that's why I only have one mortgage. I hate the idea of housewarmings and all of that stuff because you don't technically own your house. I mean, it's yours on paper. It's the bank's right. until you pay that mortgage off. Right. You get a house for 200000 so your mortgage is 200000 They don't tell you that if you keep on for the 30 years you pay double so you'll pay right. 400,000 for that 200,000 on paper it says you bought a house for 200 the right. interest rate that's attached to that mortgage makes you pay for the house two or three times over you get halfway through they're like oh you got equity refinance so then you pull it out you owe more and you like uh, lengthen the the year the life of the loan it's just right. ridiculous so i would tell a person buy it in cash probably sound crazy because they're like what i can't afford to buy a house but you can. There's so many different ways to do it. So if you want to go the mortgage route, you want to have about a 600 credit score, you want to have tax returns, you'll need that. You'll need at least three years worth of tax returns. And you'll need to be able to provide um, like income. So they'll want to see bank statements if you don't have a job. They'll want to see pay stubs if you do have a job. Something that just means that you can afford to pay that, that loan. I did it the opposite way. Like literally, I had about 15 houses and I was somebody's landlord. Like definition of stay down till you come up. I was like, okay, I'm going to pay this lady this money real quick. I don't like it, but this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Because I knew the benefits of owning your house, like really owning your house. If you want to do something like that, don't go after the American dream. Most people are like in this for the instant gratification. Get a house that might need some work. 
Because I'm going to be honest. I, I'll ask you, as a matter of fact, as a homeowner, for both of your houses, did you absolutely love them? Or did you go in and change things? You always change stuff. Because nothing is exactly how right. you want it. Unless yeah. you make it that way. Or so unless you got enough money to buy <laughs> exactly what you want. That, listen, <laughs> I know people who own mansions. I'm talking about toll brothers, wine and staircase that go in there like, yep, I want to towel this wall. I want to put LED lights in the ceiling. It's never going to be exactly because somebody else built this house to their liking. Right. It just was close enough to what you wanted. And then you felt like I could just do the rest on my own time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. Buy something that might need a little bit of work. And the same mortgage that you will pay every month. Instead, take those payments to yourself. Go to Home Depot. Change the paint. Change the floors. Do stuff like that. There's a laundry list of people who are losing houses that they got into 30-year mortgage terms with and couldn't afford to pay it off. Now you have properties that are full of equity, that are priced below market value, that you can move into. So I'm not telling you to move into an abandoned property. That's not what I'm saying. There's actually houses that are move-in ready in livable condition that you can buy super discounted and move right into it. What does that mean, though, super discounted? Okay, maybe $10,000, $15,000, $20,000, stuff like that. So for a person that's like, I don't have $10,000, I don't have $15,000, you can make it. You can wholesale. So it's me, it's you, and then what is your co-host name? Garnett. Okay, Garnett, hi. So, Garnett, <laughs> let's say that you're selling a property for $100,000, right? You say, I'm going to sell this property for $100,000. Mina, you then say, okay, Garnett, I'm going to buy this house from you for $100,000. You don't actually have to have that $100,000 because technically an agreement to sell has a clause uh, somewhere in there that says if you can't secure a financial obligation, you can transfer that, that duty to someone else. So you can actually sign a contract saying that you're going to buy something that you can't afford in layman's terms. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. Meaning you call me and you say, hey, Jamisa, I have a property for sale for $150,000. I got the one fifty, so I'm like, bet. As long as the house is obviously worth the numbers we're using. I come to the table with that one fifty. Garnett wanted $100,000, but meaning you sold it to me for one fifty. Meaning we got an extra 50000 So what happens to that? You can put it in the house. No, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. Girl, you you doing a lot of next level stuff. I'm talking about first house. You don't know what's going on. That that was something that didn't (laughs) require you to do anything except have a conversation with Garnett and then me. I'm talking to the people who are like, I don't have any money. Because if you don't have any money, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie and say, you don't, no money, no credit. That's like fake. The only way to do that is with wholesaling. So you tell Garnett you're going to buy a house and then you tell me that you're going to sell me a house. And then you make a profit off of it. That's wholesaling. So that's where you would get that money from to go buy your first house. Mm. That's, it. that's not next level. That's really simple. That's like if you went to Fashion Over and bought a sweatsuit. You bought it for twenty dollars, and you're like, Jamisa, I'm gonna sell this sweatsuit to you for thirty. So, Same concept. Question, so what if what if Mina didn't have a Jamisa to go to? Then where should we? Where where does she where go? Where can find Jamisa? They all over the world. <laughs> but she can actually start finding Jamisas before agreeing to buy your house. Like, especially as like a, a person, you can go on the internet right now. I don't know how they did it back in the day. I wouldn't have been able to survive. <laughs> but right now, you can go on Instagram, Craigslist, Facebook Market, anywhere and say, hey, I'm selling a house. Right? Like, you can do it right now, right? They'll reach out to you. Can I see the house? Where is it? Do you have pictures? Oh, no, I just sold it. But you buy houses? Ding, ding, ding. So then you meet the people who are interested in buying houses. Build those relationships so when you actually do get something to sell, it's more of a follow-up instead of a looking for Jamisa type of thing. Yeah, okay. 
All right, so another question I asked. So you were talking about these $500 and $600 homes you were buying, right? Yeah. What, like, how, how much work do you have to put into these homes overall? So, so if it costs $500, what does it look like? And then how do you get it up to speed for somebody, you know, to really live in? I wanna, let me see if I can actually share. Let me see if I can screen share this with you real quick. It's really horrible. They are <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie to you, they are ugly. I'm actually gonna show you my $500 house. It's in here somewhere. Um, but I'm about to sell this $500 house for 18000 next week. Like, I got another contract. I'm going to sell it to this guy for 18000 and I didn't touch it. There it is. Can you see it? Yep, I see it. But it's still a house. I know it's horrible. It's, 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 yeah, I see the inside. Let me see if I can show you the inside. So you're like the middleman, right? No, at this point, I actually bought it. So I'm not the middleman. If I was doing what I explained to you in the first um, thing, sure. that would be the middleman because it didn't require me to pay for anything. This specific situation, I actually bought it to sell it. But you could actually sell a house with it without owning it. You just like got the rights to it, pretty much. And you said you sold that house without touching it. No, just like how you see it is how I got it and that's how I'm gonna sell it. Now they'll they'll fix it up. Okay. But I don't have to fix it up. Because remember I still got it for less than it was worth. So back to the Bugatti scenario that I said. It might have ripped up seats. The windows might be broken, the doorknob might not work, the steering wheel may need an alignment or something. A car lover sees a Bugatti. They're like, so you selling it for half of what it's worth, and all I got to do is fix it up? And once I'm done, it's going to be worth a million dollars? Shit, well, sign me up. It's the same idea. It's up as a house, not a Bugatti. It's really the same thought process behind it. Like, one person sees, oh, my God. Another person sees equity. Once it's fixed up, it will be worth, you know, and that person has the money or the resources to put into it like they can. But for a person that's just starting out, you don't have to. But don't let that be a deterrent to you not getting started. People start when they don't have the means to. Like my grandma's house, it was worth 300 350 something like that. As is, it was worth what I sold it for. I couldn't have fixed it up. I didn't have the means, the knowledge, the crap. I couldn't do anything with it but what I did. And I didn't find that out till later. In the beginning, I felt like it was an L. I was like, hey, I got robbed. <laughs> but as I started to learn, I was like, oh, no. So this is why it would have been worth more. But I would have had to put that work into it. Right. But what I did was sell it as is. So a lot of what you're talking about is kind of like doing what you do, making a business out of selling houses for people who do just want their first mortgage, you know, and they don't want to flip a whole bunch of houses and they're not there. Yeah. Yet. Like what, what do they need in, in your opinion? Like what, what's, what should they have ready to go? 580. Three years tax returns and proof that you can pay your mortgage. And then you go to a broker or a lender and you say, hey, I want to buy a house. Um, that's a traditional bank, though, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, Chase. I'm thinking all the banks that's like this at the top of my head, PNC, TD. They issue mortgages. Uh, you can go to like private mortgage lenders, like literally type in mortgage lenders near me, you know, wherever they are in the world. And then they'll ask them for those requirements. Like, hey, what's your credit score? Do you got three years tax returns? And how much do you make? And then based off of what you show that you make, they'll tell you, okay, you're bringing $100,000 a year. You can afford this type of house. Based off of what you showed me, I'm willing to give you 80000 to buy a house. Yeah. And then you will take that and go buy your $80,000 house. How much should someone have saved, in your opinion? Well, that's Ballpark. Um... When it comes down to, like, purchasing your first home, they have grants for your closing costs. 
But your closing cost really depends on the property that you're buying. Because your closing cost is a percentage of the full amount. So if you're like buying a $80,000 house, they'll tell you, hey, you have to bring 5% to closing. So it'll be 5% of the 80000 mm-hmm. So that number for your closing cost would depend on how much the house is that you're buying. Um, but just to get started, and that's the thing. Some people close with no money because the property was that cheap and they got a grant. Or they did like... Um, that's what my homegirl did. Yeah, seller financing, or you'll have a, the lender, they'll give you credits. What is that called? Seller assist. Stuff like that. So you don't need maybe like $1,000 just to start, but it would really depend on the amount, like how much your house will cost. Right. So there's no real general number with that. The more your house is going to cost, the more that you need for closing, though, I could tell you that. So how much are you making now off of like just flipping houses? A lot. But I don't flip them. <laughs> I buy them. No, I hold Oh, hold on. What are we talking about? We talking like <laughs> no, literally. I'm the, I'm the first millionaire in my family, both liquid and asset based. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Listen, when you were talking about first, I was like, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. But yeah, I make a lot. You would be disappointed. I have two thirty-year mortgages. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not disappointed because in the beginning, it's not for everybody. But the fact that you own those homes, right? Once you do get finished paying those mortgages, that's a legacy. That, that can be a retirement plan if you ever needed to tap in to refinance, meaning like pull the equity out. Equity is the value of a house minus the debt you have on it, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you got a $200,000 house. Once it's paid off and you don't own anybody yet, the value of the house is $200,000. Yeah. You got $200,000 in equity you could borrow at any time. Right. Pull it out and use that to go do anything you need to do. Decide you want to buy another house, buy a car. Like if you ever need it for something crazy, like, hey, listen, they selling tickets to the moon. I need a million dollars to go to the moon. Real estate can, can buy you that. So I'm not disappointed. That's the way of life for some people. Like, um, I think, because back then, for especially like for like my, you're not old really, but for like older people, it's a level of comfort that comes with what you know. You know that they're your houses because you know your mortgage is in place. You're comfortable with that. Same thing back in the day. The older people were just okay with home ownership. They worked, they retired, Social Security, I own this house. But they never in their mind thought more of it. Like, damn, this house could. The same house I sold was my grandma's. She died in a very different financial situation that I'm going to die, that my children are going to die in. You know, but it's just because my thought was to take it further. But you got to do what works for you. I'm never disappointed. If it works for you, shit. As long as you like your house and you can follow it, it's not a good or a bad thing. You know what it is? It's just a sense of like, this is mine. Even though I own, you like I owe the bank, one day it's going to be mine. And it's yeah. not going to be 30 years because I'm paying extra on the yeah, extra. Yeah. So to like, you know, cut down the interest. But like, there's something there. It's almost like, Having a 401k, it's like this This is stuff that I have that I, my right. mom didn't have. So it's right. a sense of like, I feel like I'm doing just a little bit better, you know? You are, and that's what it's really about. Each generation should just do a little bit better than the last generation. And I won't say a, lo- a little bit better, because it might be a little bit to you, but there's people who are your age who don't own anything at all. There's people who died and didn't own anything. You get what I mean? So I think you're doing great. Um, and I think that's what it's really about. It doesn't matter if you do it my way or if you do it your way. The key is just getting it done. Because like I said, in the very beginning, flipping houses and being like a real estate person, not for everybody, but ownership is definitely a key part of our existence. And I think more people should just take part in that. 
don't look at it like the forest and like that's a lot like that Jamisa that's too much don't look at it like that just one house at a time because you bought one house and if you were okay with settling you would have just stopped there you said no I want another one no right? I want another one now like I do but I'm I'm saving up the money to buy it. But I didn't realize, like, when you think about I got to buy a house, I don't know why, at least for me, I think, like, oh, I got to save, like, 10, a 15, million dollars. 20. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, I got to stack that. You told me 500? Like, I could, do, yeah. I could do that. Anybody can do it. That's, that's the thing, just making it more normal. Because the sad part is, um, my very first time at auction, there was not a lot of people that looked like us. There was not a lot of people sharing the knowledge with us it, it, that's, that wasn't what it was it was a lot of other people that knew like we're gonna come in here and buy these neighborhoods up for dirt cheap but the information is not frequency it's not shared amongst us so that's why i make it a point to say no that's a real thing you could definitely go buy it. i'm trying to find a receipt um i got a 1700 dollars property receipt in here somewhere i can't find it i know i post it on my instagram all the time let me see if i can do that I remember, I think in Detroit, I forgot what was happening, and they were selling. They said they were selling houses for a dollar, and I remember thinking, uh-huh. like, "There's no way they're selling houses for a dollar." No, that's but, a real thing. They do have dollar houses. That's the thing for sure. I remember you, dollar parties, not dollar <laughs> houses. For real. <laughs> so people would just buy them and kind of like work on them, and then just resell them. I also have a question for you too. Um, you know, you, you said that you are, uh, you know, you've made over a million dollars. You're a millionaire, first millionaire. I think that's great. Hey. Um, what's the worst purchase you've had, you know, now that you've come into this wealth? What's the worst purchase, you say, if she can hear me? Oh, she's gone. She's making a million dollars. No, I'm going to need her Wi-Fi to work. I'm going to be like, Javisa, what's going on with your Wi-Fi, bro? You making a million dollars here. <laughs> now, this is actually like very in, in, informative. I mean, I wanted to have this conversation just because I want more people to buy homes. And even if you're doing what she's doing, or maybe if you're just doing what I'm doing, where you're getting a 30-year mortgage, but either way, you know, I think a key that she shared was you just got to do it. You know, like you just got to do it. I was, I was scared. You know, I thought I needed a whole bunch of money and I prolonged it so much. I could have probably bought a house sooner, you know, Mm -hmm. um, maybe at 25 or whatever, or, or at 26, but I thought I needed all this money, you know, and I was scared that it wasn't going to be enough. So, I will say your credit does have to be there. So at least have that. I mean, now I have like my mortgages are how much I used to pay for rent. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of people pay more in rent than they will pay in a mortgage. That's like, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. No, so I used to rent down the block from here for $1,450. So almost $1,500, right? Right. My mortgage, I'm literally down the block. My mortgage for this house is $1,068. And then I have to pay uh I have to pay uh, the condo fee, which is yeah. like 260. Um but that's still less than what I was paying up the block, you know, renting. And it's yours. So even if it was more, at least the long-term gain of it all is that you will own it. When you're renting something, you're literally pouring money into it's like pouring water into a cup with a hole in it. It'll never be yours. Right. You'll never have anything to show for it. Even if you stay there for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 
it'll never be yours. And all I had to do was save a, you know, a, a, a couple thousand dollars to just put the down payment because I did want to put like a, a good down payment on it. I didn't want to do 3%. I wanted to do a little yeah. bit more, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, that was now I literally, you know, I, I live down the block from where I used to live and I own it and I pay less. But Jamisa, you making a million dollars. What's going on with your Wi-Fi, girl? <laughs> yeah, no. I was using my phone. I'm about to turn my computer on. I never even had my Wi-Fi on. And oh. I didn't know that I had my Wi-Fi on until it turned up. Yeah. I was like, girl. Yeah. Yo, it's so crazy. I actually, we have two different Wi-Fi systems because my house is like 7,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. we got to use Wi-Fi for one side of the house. It's, it's like a thing. And I looked down and I was like, bro, your Wi-Fi is not on. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got a decent Wi-Fi, girl, because I was worried. I was like, I'm gonna need you to get the Wi-Fi before you get another house. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some Wi-Fi. She said, I got two Wi-Fis. Get it together. No, we really need two Wi-Fis. Like that's a, that's a real thing. I was like, Ugh. before we got disconnected, I was trying to ask you a question. Um, yes. You know, so. You just say that, you know, you made over a million dollars, you know, first millionaire, you know, in your family. Um, with that, it had to come some bad purchases. So I wanted to know, like, what was your worst purchase during, you know, these times? Um, I think the treehouse was my very, like, the, today, <laughs> today. But the one that I just showed you guys. It's like in general, know. like, not even just like, you know, you purchase at home, just in life. Maybe you, you know, bought a car or, you know, went shopping or mm. just, you know, while, while you've been in, you know, investing in real estate and making all this money, have you made any bad purchases? Um, I'm really responsible with money. I've always been. Before my whole real estate thing, I was a cashier. And I mm-hmm. bought my first car being a cashier because I was always good with saving. First of all, I'm the eldest of 10 siblings. So, you know, with oh, wow. that comes a level of responsibility. So mentally, I've always been, like, good with money. Like, shopping, I always regret it. I feel like that's one of those vices mm-hmm. where, I mean, looking good makes you feel good. But when you think about the fact that you're spending $4,000 on a bag, it's like, that shit is <laughs> stupid. I do it, though. And I think to date, those, that's, like, some of my not-too-proud purchases – Bad purchases, though, I don't really make bad purchases. Like, houses, I always, like, feel like those are the ones that are bad because it's like, damn, I underestimate how much it's going to cost to fix it. Or this is like, ugh. So I always have bad things with that. But in terms of spending money, I'm very frugal still. I don't really spend a lot of frivolous money on stuff. Um, I'm very mindful. Like, I just bought a car. Mm-hmm. Now, I had cars in the past. Um, I have four in total, but I just bought my dream car. It was on my vision board for three years, not because I couldn't afford it, but because I didn't want a car note. So I have a Tesla Model X, and I was mm-hmm. able to buy it in cash this year. The other two years, I could have did it, but I would have been broke. Like It would have been one of those things because <laughs> I'm trying to fix up the properties. Now it's the situation where I felt comfortable enough, and I did it that way, opposed to having a car note. I have friends that have Teslas. Their notes are like seven hundred dollars a month. I think that's crazy. Yeah. No matter how much I buy a car, it's a good car. Well, like, that's I don't want to do that. When it comes to like bad purchases, I don't really have anything outside of houses that I feel is like is bad because I do have limits. Yeah. Like I ain't buying my own Birkin. That's out. Like I ain't doing. It. <laughs> <laughs> like I know better. Like I don't care how tempting it is. I ain't doing it. She said, yeah. "I'm buying my own Birkin." <laughs> no, I'm not buying my own Birkin. I can't. I can't do it. What is it? You have a man. What's What's he do? construction so i do i have a husband wait so he he does your house 
He does construction in your house? house? Yeah, he fixes yeah. them up. Um, he just, wow. I just got my contract his license. I think he don't, I don't like fixing houses for me because I'm bossy. He's like, you pull your own permits and you do it this way. But yeah, that's what he does. Um, he also has, where we live is like a lot of grass, a shit ton of it actually. So he has a landscaping company as well. Mm-hmm. And then he's starting a truck business, but I don't think he's going to drive a truck. Don't tell him I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he going to buy a truck to have people driving him. He don't even like driving. He's like, <laughs> but yeah. So how do you find contractors, reliable contractors? Because even from my house, you know, it's easy to be like, yeah, buy a house, fix it up. But the hardest thing is to get A, work that people that are going to do good work, uh, B, people that know how to write, what materials to buy, because sometimes yeah. they buy cheap materials and then it's almost like you're paying for yeah. And then they, C, to get people to so get the job done on the timeline that you have. First of all, to get them to show up. Right. Okay, they got to be reliable. That is like one of the golden rules of real estate. And it's one of the hardest things to do. Like I'm married to a contractor and it's still hard to find good contractors because we have multiple properties like that we fix at once. Um, You got to just, first of all, fact check all the time. So when you're looking for a contractor, get their information such as they're they're like insurance. Um, Have them show you work that they've done in the past. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't pay too much up front. So that's so bad purchases now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I've done that a lot, like paying the person and they do the work wrong. And then I got to call the bank like, yo, can you help me get my money back? <laughs> pay with credit cards because you could always do a clawback. Like if the work is not up to your standards, you tell the bank, hey, listen, they got your money. Go get it back. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. So now you're going to fight that dispute, but you're not going to fight with me. You do have to just trust people, though, because there's no real thing to look for outside of previous work. But somebody could have had a really good, like, that could have been an easy house to fix, right, for them. That doesn't mean that they're going to do that same thing to you. So you it's really trial and error. There's no, like, secret to finding a good contractor. Yo, because I've struggled so much with contractors with both of my houses in general yeah, that what I, what I started doing is they got, like, home warranties now. Yeah. Um, that they sell. So you pay like every month you pay into the warranty and literally anything in your house that breaks, they cover it. But obviously it doesn't yeah. cover basic stuff but like flooring. And that's, that's your house, right? Like your primary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so my, mom, my mom lives in one house and I live in the other. Yeah, I was about to say for primary, they don't offer it. I mean, for investments, they don't offer it. So it's easier. Oh, wow. So what are you sharing with us? Oh, listen. So I'm, I'm on Realtor.com. Something mm-hmm. really simple that you can do just in the middle of the night when you're on your phone. That's what I do in the middle of the night. Um, we want to find properties. You mentioned Detroit. You said Detroit. It's a lot of different pro- areas that do this too. So I'm going to put my max at $10,000. So I can just kind of show you guys. Eight, eight, ten, eight, thirty, five hundred, And then these still can be financed too. Mm-hmm. So the way that you got a mortgage was through financing. You can still finance these deals. So you'll find a property that's eight. So you'll tell the bank, hey, I need 8000 to buy it, 20000 to fix it up. Like they do still have financing for stuff like this. 5000 83 5000 5000 83 83 Where's another place that's really good? Um... All of Ohio, for the most part. Chicago has really good numbers. 5,000, 5,000, 2,500, 5,000, 10,000, 5,000, 5,000. Collectively on this this is three of us. We can get 5,000. Yeah. And then go sell it to a person for 10,000. So then we profited 5,000. You get what I'm saying? 
without touching it, without fixing it. But I just want to make it a reality. Forty nine hundred dollars. I have a bag. That's mm. a little bit less than <laughs> like I have a bag. <laughs> a little bit less. Than I got a Chanel box bag that's six thousand. This was seventy five hundred. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like this, this is the real thing, and this is not a software you got to pay for it. Realtor, sorry, it's a free website. I just typed in realtor.com. But I just wanted to show you guys, like this is a, these are pending. So when you see pending, that means it's like selling. Yeah. But like that, that's the real thing. So I wanted you to see, um, just like how simple it is, because you're like, hey, I'm saving money, and what you have saved could very well be enough to start your next project, right? Because it's not a lot. Like I don't, I know. Like, I came on here like, oh, and that's a lot to digest for a person that's like, what the hell is she talking about? I don't know real estate from Adam. But it's so simple to do. It's really simple to do. Like, I'm not saying that because I do it every day in my life. I'm saying it because it takes the same amount of energy to spend money on one thing as it does another. Yeah. My bad. I just did something real uh, slow. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice we was looking at your screen, so I'm trying to click off the button. <laughs> I'm like, why is it showing? Me? I'm like, oh shit, that is hair screen. Oh right. yes. <laughs> I, and, and and I unshared it, so you would have. Yeah, because I was sitting there like, all right, so we done the screen share. How do I undo it? Okay. Yeah. You help me with that. You had me cover. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I was no, wondering. No, I'm no, like, no. is she gonna go to another website or no, what do we? Oh. <laughs> So, I mean, you've definitely enlightened me and made me feel like I can, this is something that I can do. I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about doing just because in general, I found ever since I bought my homes, I find the joy in when someone's saying I want to buy a house and I literally go through and start looking and sending, or even when they're saying I want to rent a new apartment. I don't know. I, I, I found like, I like to go through and look right. and see what the amenities are, what the house looks like. Does it need to be? you know, fixed up or anything like that. Yeah. So I enjoy doing that. And like right now I've just been sending it to people like, Oh, look at this house or check this out. But it's definitely been something that I've wanted to do. Just kind of like getting a house. I don't know if I want to fix it up yet. (laughs) I'm not there yet, but more so buying a good house and then selling it for more money. How much time do you have to wait before you sell it? Do you have to let it sit there and, and, you know, appreciate a little bit? No, you can sell it right away because the key is in order for something to be a good deal is to buy it for less than it's worth. So the appreciation is instant. Like I, you get your return on investment upon buying that property. So no, you don't have to. Yeah, you but why don't those same people go to like the auctions or whatever, wherever it is that you're getting your homes? Did like, you know that there was an auction where you could buy $500 houses? No. That's why people don't go. But the people who know though, but not everybody knows. Can you not everybody me? has, like, one of the questions that you asked me, you said, uh, what did you say? Where do people find a Jamisa? Mm-hmm. Most people don't know how to sell anything. they like, I don't know what I'm, you get know what I mean? The contracts, the terminology, sometimes that's overwhelming for a person that, you got to think, like, there's different types of people in the world, but we're all still people, so you can group us in the same type of thought process. You have the people that's like, by any means necessary, I'm going to figure it out. You have the people who's like, this shit is too much. I'm not going to do it. You have the people that's like, I don't know. I might do it. Let me see you do it first. There's all different types of people. We are buying the houses from the people that's like, this too much. Like, you figure it out. And then I'm the person that's like, by any means necessary, I'll figure it out. And then I'm teaching the people that's like, I don't know. You do it first. There's like different types of people. I'm that person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let me see. Oh, I'm going to watch you do it first. It, once you did it, because you did it. And you said you were the first person that you knew 
did it. So you went through that process yourself. Once you did it, the next go around wasn't as hard. You oh no. I bought, listen, my second, my first house, it took me months. Yeah. <laughs> it took me months to like find the right house and, you know, negotiate it down and then get all the steps together. It lot. took me months. The, the second house, I literally, like, I just, I have, I was stacking the bread. I didn't know for what. I was just stacking bread, right? And then I got annoyed. I was renting up the block. I got annoyed that they raised my rent. And I was like, you just raised my rent last month. I literally made a split second decision. Like, he was like, I'm not doing this. No I'm, not do, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm buying the house. I literally went down the... I, I, I knew I wanted to live in this exact area. I literally just looked in the... I, I used to live up the block, I said. right, Literally, yeah. right up the block. And um, I just looked in this area. I, within a month, I, ha I was in the new house. Within okay. a month. So, so what do you think your third time was going to be like? Out, girl, out. <laughs> I may, I don't know. The third I mean, time you might did be. It, and that's what I'm saying. The process don't really change. So you mastered. This is how you do it. This yeah, but I have never sold a house. So. Oh. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's much easier. Um, yeah. As long as you got it, you, as long as you have a house, and then if you're working with a realtor, they pretty much do the work in marketing. Because selling a house is just about marketing. To mm. be quite honest, the house sells itself. But you have to get people to see the house. That's what that boils down to. But it is not as difficult as buying a house. Like I got something for sale there. So they're the people gonna bring you the money. They are the ones with the interest in your property. You just gotta make sure that you take the right pictures of it. Like make sure that the lighting is good. Just promoting the house in itself. You gotta be a salesperson to like, hey, if you have a family, this house is good because of this and that. Or if you're a single person, this house is good because of this and that. Like you have to talk about the amenities and the stuff near it. Two minutes away from shopping, right next to a bus stop. We got kids. This is where the schools are. You have to appeal to the people, but a realtor does that. And they'll probably more than likely list your home for you if you're selling it. Yeah. So uh, what are some of the things people need to look uh, out for when they're like, I know that you don't read your own contract, right? You always get an attorney, an attorney does your contracts. But what are some things that people need to look out for when you're buying a house in the paperwork? You have to make sure that there's like a, um, the biggest thing is make sure you have a contingency clause or an inspection clause. Because what that means is if that house doesn't pass inspection, you pretty much have a way out. Because there's certain contracts or certain deals where if you agree to buy a house and then you don't want to do it anymore, they can sue you like, no, you said you were going to buy this house. Same with selling. If you say, I'm going to sell this house and they told you 15,000, you agreed. And then I come up like, but I'll give you 30. And you're like, shit, I'm going to go with her as 30. No, you agreed to sell the house to that person for 15. They can sue you. Like she said 15, now she's not selling me the house anymore. So you want to make sure that you always have something that protects your interest, not just in the property, but in yourself. So if you have a construction uh, or contractor's clause or an inspection clause, that will mean that if this property fails inspection, you are not obligated to buy it, literally. So you can always say, this ain't past inspection. I ain't buying it. Right? Mm -hmm. You just want to make sure you got a way out. Like if you're doing a mortgage, a standard agreement of sale will have this, but make sure that it says that if you can't get your finances, because what will happen is you can be pre-approved and then the loan won't close. Like for some odd reason, something happened, uh, you, you showed less or you didn't have a closing cost. You don't want to be stuck with having to buy that property. So you got to make sure that you have a way out in your contracts. Um, outside of that, it's simple. The less words, the better. I learned in real estate school, a contract can be done on a napkin. As long as it has a signature, a date, 
and what y'all agreed upon, it could be done on, on a napkin. You could bring that to court. Like, we signed this contract, <laughs> and that would be a thing. Um, so just make sure that your contracts are clear. There's a bunch of words you don't understand before you start signing, and we all guilty. I always tell people I accept the terms and conditions. I don't never know what them damn terms and conditions are. <laughs> but just make sure that if there is something that you don't understand as your first time doing it, go over it and read it. Like my contracts, I got the lawyers to do them, but they replicate yeah. themselves. So they're like templates for me at this point. But just make sure that you have an understanding of what you're, you're coming into agreement with. Um, question. So, um, you know, you are young. Uh, you're still, you know, fresh in your business, so to speak, even though you are like a young OG. <laughs> um, where, like, where do you think that you can take this? Like, where do you see this right now? You said you're 27. You have more than 20 properties. Like, what's the goal at the end of this? Um, transitional housing for women. Aww. I feel like that's a big thing. So I just recently got my first multi-unit. I have a seven-unit building. I want to make home ownership more popular. So seeing more rent-to-owns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of my clients are women. I have some men. Um, that come along because they're like, damn, because you know they come with the money, but the women, no, no, I take nothing away from you. But women come with that get it done attitude. Like they come with that, I need this, I'm gonna make this right. I always say it like behind most successful men is the CEO somewhere, and she's a woman. It's the mom, it's the sister, it's the best friend, it's the, the wife, the girlfriend, um, the fiance. So I want to see that become a thing. I, it's a lot of women that stuck. Um, because they get into the hamster wheel of doing what I got to do. And it's so much more to life than surviving. I was a cashier. Like, I can't minimize that. I was a ca I could buy a supermarket today if I wanted to. I'm not in agriculture. I don't feel like it. But I was a cashier. So I'm that person that's like, yo, if I can do it, you can do it. So I just feel like I can change the world. And just small aspects. It's not going to be an overnight thing. But if I get five or six people to really just, like, get it, then I can change anything. And so far, I've helped over 300 people buy houses. Like, I've done it. Like, I'm actively still doing it. So what I want to do is get them, like, younger, like the 18-year-olds, the 17-year-olds, because adult women, they know what they need to do, even though we don't always do it. When the time is right, we know what we got to do. We got to figure out what we want, and we go for it. When you're about 17 and 18, you need to be molded. And I just feel like if somebody would have talked to me at 17 and 18 before I signed those papers, I could have did stuff a little different. Maybe I would have already had the credit going in, so I didn't have to sell my grandma's house. Or, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had to miss that 250 I made that back, but damn it, maybe I could have did it a little different. So I want to do transitional housing for women and then just, like, some things for adolescents. Because when you're 17, even 18, you're a woman, but you don't know what the hell is going yeah. on. You still find yourself. You don't know what it is you want to do. You don't even know what's possible. But sometimes life comes at you so fast, you don't got time to sit and digest it. You're so busy doing it, doing it, doing it without the direction. Let me ask you, um, with the recent housing market and yeah. how it's kind of been, is this a good time to buy a house? I know a couple of months ago it was, but is that still the case right now? Yeah, I was about to say it's perfect for a lot of reasons. That's for a homeowner, like a first-time home buyer. I'm sorry, and for an investor, I think it's good because it's a high demand right now, and then it's a high inventory. People are actively losing houses or in danger of losing houses because the pandemic came and they didn't pay their mortgage. Mm. Like at first, it was like, "We got you back. It's COVID. Don't pay. Defer your payment." Now that everything is kind of normalizing and getting itself back together, it's like, "Okay, now you owe me double." Like it was people who did the deferment and now owe four months rent. 
Mm. But I wasn't working a whole four months. So you set me up telling me that I would get a break, and then you broke me in half. And when they don't pay those four months rent, it ends up in auction. The same auction that I'm talking to you guys about. So I think it's the perfect time because um, you could actually approach those people prior to. Like, hey, don't lose it at auction. Sell it and at least make something for it. Um, or just for people who are buying their houses, you're able to get really good deals because the stakes are higher now. Can you take me to auction? <laughs> I can. The auction rate, some of them started to open. Like, I know Baltimore's open. Not how, how does that work? Is it like, I got 1000 I got 2000 Sold. Is it like that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she was gonna say, open a bid fifteen hundred. I have sixteen hundred. You have seventeen. But you gotta say the full number. She'll say that. She say full amount, please. So you can't say seventeen. You gotta say seventeen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Nineteen hundred. It's crazy. It's not as fast as a car auction, but it's exactly what you deserve. You stand oh. up, <laughs> go back and forth, somebody stops, going once, going twice, sold. Please come forth with your payment, please. You ever paid a house at auction? Just like get so you, it, I I can imagine it probably gets a little competitive, right? Yes. So you're like you at some point like okay, I, I, I don't want I don't want her to lose her yeah. to win, right? Yeah. Have you ever paid for overpaid for a house just because you got competitive? No, but I see other people do it because they didn't want me to win. <laughs> I already know what I'm going past. Like I come in with set numbers. I'm not going to go past this. I don't care how bad I want it. If you won't overpay it, I'm gonna let you do it. But no, I'm never not gonna do it. I've never. So, so when you go to an auction, do they tell you which homes are going up for auction prior, so you have time to do your homework, or is it on the spot? Yep. So they do actually tell you what's selling ahead of time, and you have time to do your homework. Problem is, there's never enough time. They auction off almost a thousand houses a month. You ain't researching all them houses. Yeah. Like some people say they're gonna do it. Some people will pick a select few and research. I just go in with my own set number. I feel comfortable spending ten thousand for a house because I know at the very least it's worth more than ten thousand. You get what I'm saying? So like I just come in with my own number. I don't even bid high on houses. Like I'm not going into the thirty and forty thousand unless I really know what's going on. But you have time, you can pull it right up on your phone. I'm quick. I have the app up on my phone. She says the address, I type it in and I can instantly see how much it's worth. So that will tell me don't bid past this. Like, it's a simultaneous thing. She called up the address and type it in, and it's like, hey, don't bid past this amount on that property. Because you can see it. It's like public record. Realtor.com, you type in the address, it'll show you what recently sold in the area. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is what's selling. I'm not going to Yeah, and, and if you put money into it, it can be higher. You can or sell I could just sell it as is, because I know it's worth more. Yeah. It's not always about having that money. I think that's the part. Like, overthinking it, it's like, I, I got to put money into this for it to be worth it. No. Yeah, I think I would be that kind of person. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not putting work into it. Like, I, I, I hate even getting contractors to my house. I had this dude. This is when I realized I'm like, I'm never going to hire another contractor ever again. I, I had this guy, and he, he scheduled, and I moved my schedule. You know, my schedule's crazy. I moved my schedule around just so he could come and fix this in my house. Dude never show up. I text him, I call him, I'm feeling like a crazy girlfriend. Never got back to me ever. Like, didn't say, sorry, I apologize. I left them voicemails. Like, I was like, I moved my schedule for you. I was pissed. I was like, nah. Yo, no. imagine if you would have paid him a deposit and he ain't come. That's real. That happens. That happens. Yeah, it's crazy. So what happens? Do you give people another chance or do you pull no, your deposit? Not, no, not for stuff like that. 
how you do one thing is usually how you do everything. If you play with me after I gave you my money, nah, you don't value me. And I value people. I'm real heavy on the respect. Like, I overvalue people. So if you play with me, with something like that, it's like that just shows who you are. You're trying to get over. Because you got to, like, for women in real estate, especially younger women, too, you got to take a stand. People going to try you, no matter what you do. They're going to test it just to see how far they can take it with you. So if you go all forgiving, like, it's okay, it becomes a thing. So yes, I'll forgive a person, but I'm not giving my money again, and you're not going to work on none of my projects again, no. Right. It's my bad blood ever. So how do you get your money back? So for me, I literally had a situation where I'm still trying to get my money back. I had to file a civil suit. You, if you have their insurance, which is why I said always have your contractor's insurance, you go straight through them and get your money back. If you pay with a credit card, your credit card company gets your money back for you. Don't mm-hmm. go paying them in cash. Don't do it, because then you'll never get your money back. Right. Damn, girl. Now, so I, I, once again, you're very knowledgeable. Uh, I feel like even, you know, after this interview is done, I'm probably going to go have a conversation with my friends and my family about everything. Um, But everybody, once again, don't have a Jamisa like us to talk to. So um, where can these people, like, just look up information to get the jewels that you're dropping on us? Like, where can they look for it? For like properties or just like information on properties? Just the, the, the information in order to get the properties, the things that they necessarily don't tell us. Uh, nobody really tell you. You can go on YouTube and piece stuff together, just watch their videos. I do it all the time, so you can definitely come to me. It's my shameless plug. <laughs> but I give a lot of free information, though. It's not even stuff that you got to pay me a million dollars. I don't got time. I have four children. I ain't gonna tell you to pay me a million dollars for me. I don't, I don't even know if I had that time. But I always put out stuff like I read, write like ebooks. I go live on Instagram all the time to share it. I'm Rosebud Investments on Instagram and Facebook. If you go on YouTube, type in what you want to do with real estate. Watch three or four videos, not from the same person. Everybody got their own different pitch and their own angle. But some, the truth will be repetitive. You'll keep hearing it. And then you can act on whatever that truth is. Somebody going to tell you how to flip houses that way. Somebody going to tell you how to flip houses that way. But you're going to hear certain things over and over. So, okay, this is how you flip houses. This is how you flip houses. But y'all both did this. So this is the common denominator. And you take that bit of information and work on it. All right. Well, this is informative. Thank you, Jamisa. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> you still, they still got dollar houses in certain places in the world. I have become very gifted in finding cheap properties. Like that's my thing now. Cause they call me like the auction queen. <laughs> like, people don't want to buy regular houses with me no more. They're like, you mean so where the fifty cent houses? I'm like, no. <laughs> that's a blessing, girl. I wish I, I could get fifty cent house. There's no real thing. It's no. It's dollar houses. There ain't no fifty cent house. But that's what they're looking for when they come to me. Fifty cent houses. You mean so where the houses that was ten cent? You make magic, that's why. Girl, I read about dollar houses. I know that's real. I read that in the news. Yeah, that's a real thing. I think it was during the recession. They were that that, I think it was like oh eight, oh nine. I remember I was dead broke back then and I'm like, damn. I got a dollar. It's crazy the house that was my grandma, she got that as a dollar house. Uh back in her day. Somewhere back there. They had really um, because you have certain towns that's in the middle of nowhere, nobody's there. They want to bring livelihood to the community. They want to make it a thing. Because your community suffers when there's a bunch of shell properties. No mm. utilities are being used, no markets, nobody's making money. The whole idea of all of this is to stimulate the economy. Mm. That's all the government ever wants to do. 
Because if you think about taxes, what are they? What's taxes? Like, you taxing me for my house because it's on this block? Should I move it? Like, I didn't ask for it to be here, you know? But it's all about stimulation of the economy. So that's what kind of makes the world go around. Mm-hmm. You're circulating that dollar. All right, Jamisa. Well, you told us how to find you on uh, Instagram. It's uh, Rosebud Investments, you said, right? Yes, Rosebuds, plural, because my grandma's name was Rose. So I named that company after that. Aw, that's sweet. And you got four kids. Damn, girl, how you flipping houses and you got four kids? They do it with me. <laughs> I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a newborn. Well, she's five months, so she's not a newborn, but she's really small still. Um, they do it together. Like, we're a family. Who, when we go see houses, they come to. We do everything together. Like, literally. So we just incorporate it to kind of make it normal. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking to my friends about that. Really, like, culturally speaking, when black people recreate or what is that called? Uh, the procreate. It's like, damn, you have more kids. Like, it's always a, a weird thing. You know? Like, when you have a certain ethnicity, when you have a big family, it's like Shandapon. But when you think about it, it's like you have a CFO, a COO, a CEO. Like you're supposed to grow and thrive. And a lot of people don't look at it like that. You see like young black people having kids. It's like, look at that girl with all those kids. And it's so funny. I am the culture child for stereotypes. You see me at Walmart with all my kids. And I just I always dress normal, very regular, very humble. They look at me and I know they judge me like she probably single. Whole time I got a husband. Sometimes I'll wear my ring. My ring is annoying and big. I don't do it. Right? And I'll walk out and, and get into a crazy-ass car. And I'm like, you don't even know who it is. And I love doing that. Like, the shock value after with that wild factor right there. Because I know what they think of before they say it. Yeah. So you just got to normalize community and grow. The Rothschilds do it. The Trumps do it. The Kardashians do it. You have these big families. And it's like, look at them. We love to see other people's big families. But we don't have it. And I was like, yeah. So you build your, your legacy. You start with yourself. Like, they know. We, we talked about it. My, my seven-year-old, we talked about it a lot. Um, he said, Mommy, we didn't get on a private jet yet because I'm going on my first private jet Saturday. He said, Mom, I didn't get on a private jet yet. I said, you didn't say you didn't get on a private jet. You said, yet. Why would you use those words? I wanted to know. He said, because we're going to get on it. I just didn't do it yet. Seven-year-olds don't think about getting on a damn private jet. Right. But seven-year-olds don't think about passport stamps. He's had a passport since he's been one. We go on trips. We visit different countries. You got to make your everyday life a part of their lives because how you raise them up is how they'll grow to be. I just take them. Shit. Ain't no balance. I ain't about the lines. Like, I do this Monday to Friday from 3 to 5. I'm homeschooled. I'm just figuring it out. His little desk is over there. I'll be over here sometimes. My husband take turns. Like, we do two at a time. I take the two S's. He take the two M's and we switch. Literally. <laughs> that's that's as close as we get to a routine. I got one right here spinning in the chair. She's supposed to be asleep. Like, it's, uh, you know. <laughs> Divide and conquer. That's it. That's it. You well, take you, two little ones. Well, you better go get her to bed, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamisa, no for problem. all the information. No. We appreciate you, okay? I'm going to speak it to the both of you guys. Thank you for having you me. You too, boo. Instagram as well. Yes, I'll make sure that I follow you back. No. I'm very interactive, so come on here and talk to me when I'm on live. Me too. Okay. <laughs> He's going to be your best friend. Watch. Awesome. I'm here for it. Sliding in your DMs and all of that. Nah, now she, nah, I ain't doing that. Business, it's business though. I ain't saying it was going to be inappropriate. You just told us that she had a husband. I ain't doing that. You nothing. can still slide in her DMs and talk yeah, about real estate. Yeah, people slide in her DMs. It's no shame when you want the game. Like, people come with you all the time. It's business, like she said. If you want to know something, because some of these things are really easy to answer. Because I'll be doing this, so I could wake up like, oh, just that, and then point you in the right direction. 
So don't hesitate if you have questions about it. Girl, I told you I've been thinking I get, you know, I get a couple of the extra thousand dollars saved up. And I'm a, I'm a go in there and I'm gonna try to figure it out. And I'll be like, Jamisa, I'm stuck. What do I do? That's <laughs> so, all you gotta do. And I'm saying, hey, look, you buy a house. And we'll talk about like the area in the market. Some markets stay away from because they super hot. Like New York, that's the scariest place in the world. There, but, <laughs> I don't. Mm -mm. It's one of the scariest places. I'm like, yo. So you want how much for a brownstone? Damn it. Like that's crazy. Yeah, nah, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> anywhere else. I'm talking uh, about like California, a little expensive. There's certain places, but there's ways to do everything. So you do it everywhere, not just like in Philly and Jersey. Yeah, everywhere except Las Vegas. Why not Las Vegas? They have a lot of rules. Um, so like when you go on a strip specifically, those hotels um, are owned by the hotel owners. However, the land that they're built on is owned by somebody like me. You could buy a lot, and then me could say, "Hey, I want to build the the MGM on your lot." Ooh, you own the MGM, I'm owning it a lot. So because of that, they have a lot of different rules and like laws when it comes to invest investing in certain places because they know the benefits of it. You can't build this, you can't do that. This has to be zoned the same way. You can't put this house here. It's like, yeah, I don't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a yeah. whole lot. And plus it's like, I don't want my tenant to live in Las Vegas either. You have to go spend all your money at the casino and you ain't gonna pay me. You're gonna <laughs> like, I'm cool. What is this red flag over there? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jamisa. Okay. Bye. She was good. No, nah, she was. She was a ball of energy. She and you could tell she's just full of knowledge. Like I feel like she could have went on for an hour straight of a presentation on how to buy a house and make money off of it. So I feel like that was that was a really good combo. I actually enjoyed that. Did she uh inspire you to get a house? Yeah, she did. She inspired me to get multiple homes. I hope she inspired everybody listening to as well to be 27 and to own, you know, over 23 houses to own over 20 properties. And like she said, you know, she's young, she has four kids. Um, but, and she also has nine other siblings and she's still, you know, she, she said she's the first million in her, in her family, both, you know, liquid and with assets. So that's, that's actually pretty incredible. Yeah, it really is. I mean, she definitely inspired me because it's something I've been thinking about, just kind of buying and selling homes. I'm not too into the flipping part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that is flipping, but I'm not too into the, let me fix this house up. Let me say mm -hmm. that. I'm not into that. Um, I just, I don't like dealing with contractors. It's just a pain in the ass. So I think I would, I really was inspired to just really just buy something and really just resell it for more money. You know, yeah. um, that, that's what, that what she's inspired in me, but I hate dealing with contracts, but she's lucky cause she got a husband, you know, that can help her get all that done. So yeah. it makes it just a little bit easier. You know, I also think, uh, I wish I could have said this to her as well. I think, um, she's just very good at putting it in layman's terms. Um, because I've heard a lot of people speak and speak about things similar I wasn't able to, to quite get it the first time around. I felt like when she spoke, it was pretty cut and dry. It wasn't, you know, I'm over talking or I want to use big words to sound like I'm smarter than I am or whatever the case may be. I felt like, hey, this is the blueprint. This is what I do. And I'm going to just give you the information right here. So I felt like that was very knowledgeable. For myself. Yeah. I Well, Everything is about examples. I think when she talked about the car or she talked about the bag or, 
you know, those different things. I mean, I think for me, I mean, it's kind of, it's common sense to think about this, but when she even compared the price of the house to a bag that she has, Mm -hmm. it just really put things into perspective, you know, like, wow, you can really like the $2,000 that I spent on the YSL bag that I bought, I literally could have put that into the house. Yeah, it could have it, it could have made you some money. Um, yeah. I thought that was interesting as well. Just you know, to say she doesn't make any bad purchases like that, but uh, the fact that she you know used, I guess shopping as like a guilty thing at times because she knows you know a bag can cost a lot, and for her to look at it and see a house is crazy because a lot of people when they look at you know them Louboutins or those Dior sneakers or whatever, you know. That five hundred, six hundred, a thousand dollars could have possibly changed your future. So I, I thought that's what I really got from it as well. Is you know we can um, invest in you know in different things and stuff like that as far as going out, but that could turn into you know a house and a future you know for myself and anybody else if I have the knowledge to you know put it forward so well you can tell that she's a money person because she thinks of everything in terms of what uh, what can i get for this so it's funny when i read certain like articles about the the money that people spend on bags you know or or even like i remember chloe and hallie had like something with um or i think it was hermes or some bag Mm -hmm. they they were promoting some bag and out of curiosity i literally just googled it to see how much the bag was. Uh, And I was like, this is three months of my mortgage. You know, so it's like, I think just thinking about finances in that way will help you be a little bit more responsible with the money. And it's it's not that, you know, eventually you can't go and buy those things. Mm -hmm. It's more so like just prioritizing, you know, like getting, doing something that will make you money now and doing the sacrifice now so that you can benefit from it and then later on not even be guilty about buying something that's a little bit more extravagant because you have the money. Yeah, I thought that was dope what she said too as far as she could have purchased her dream car three years before she actually did, but she had to discipline herself to know that right now just isn't the right time for what I want. And I thought that was cool too to put out there. So Yeah, so... All right. Well, um, I'm going to wrap this up because we did have a topic for today, but we'll save it for next week um, when everybody's back uh, here in the house. So I think this is really good. I feel really good about this. And I hope that the people listening out there can really, I hope it inspires someone. Maybe, um, you know, maybe you are similar to myself prior to me buying my house. In, in terms of you, it was just intimidating to you or you didn't think that you could get it done or you didn't have enough money, you know, um, or maybe you didn't have the credit that you wanted to. You know, I hope that this inspires those people to know that, you know, there there, there are grants out there to help you out. There, There is money that can help you get a house like she mentioned and then make it a, a, something that you can actually do, make it obtainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I gathered from all of that as well is just don't get discouraged. You know, she was put in a situation she had no clue she was going to be in, you know, with the unfortunate past of her grandmother. And now, look, you know, she just 
she just kept pushing and kept going forward and kept trying to learn more, you know, and didn't run, run away from, you know, what was on her plate at the time. So just don't, don't get discouraged when they're hitting you with the numbers. And if your stuff isn't up to par right now, just keep pushing forward. And y'all better follow her. <laughs> you can, listen, you can, you can get run into some issues that she'll probably help you out. You know, yep. it just, and it, it really doesn't seem like she's one of those people that are, is trying to sell you something. It really just seems like she's one of those people that just wants to spread knowledge about, you know, ownership and us being more in control of our finances and our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I never really share this story, but I, I think, you know, one of the things that really inspired me to want to get, uh, my first house that I bought was for my mother. It wasn't even for me. The second house that I bought was for me. But um, the reason being is because when I was in college, it was, it was the last year of me being at Syracuse University. And this is when the recession started. And there was a situation where my mother lost her job because a lot of people lost their jobs in, in, you know, in the recession. It's kind of like what happened recently, mm-hmm. you know, where like out of nowhere, people just started losing their jobs and the account- economy went down and then the rent went up. You know, it was just like a series of bad situations where my mother ends up, you know, we ended up having to put all that stuff in storage and my mother ended up staying with my aunt. You know, so like when I would come back from college, I really didn't have anywhere to come back to. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was staying with my aunt. Um, my aunt had a one bedroom apartment and she has three kids and they're all in college. So literally we all came back from college to this one little one bedroom apartment. So it's like I think that kind of put a little bug in me uh, for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons why we we were able to, you know, get kind of thrown, we weren't really thrown out of the house, but we had to leave the house was because we were on a month to month lease, you know, and it taught me a a valuable lesson about housing. Like you never want to be on a month to month lease because someone could just be like, I'm going to raise the rent, you know? And if you don't have the money to pay the rent, you have to be out by the end of the month. So it's like, it doesn't seem fair, but if you don't have a long-term contract, you know, a year or two, you're SOL and you don't have anywhere to live. So it taught me about making sure that in specifically with your housing, that your contracting is together. But then it also taught me like, if I own the house, it would have had to take, it would have took the bank months to get me out, you know, especially a mother with a child. It was just me and my mom. So it's like the value of owning our own stuff. So mm-hmm. people can't tell you, oh, we're going to raise the rent, the, the rent next month. You know, what's crazy. I told you the story about how I used to live up the block. And the, my trigger was he raised my rent. And I think I have some trauma <laughs> from that situation that happened when I was a kid. <laughs> but when he raised my rent, I think it like struck something in me where I was like, nah, bruh. <laughs> Nah, wanna, you know, feel like somebody was taking advantage of you. I think that's pretty, you know, uh, that's a pretty normal thing in that situation. Like you said, you wake up one day, you know, everything's set. You have your budget already, you know, right. months, and you know, you wake up and oh, okay, you raise my rent, you know, X amount of dollars. All right, I can do that. 
But the second time and the third time, it's like, right. oh, so you talk about in a year, we talking about a, a 20% increase in rent because mm-hmm. you keep going up every month. So, Right. So that literally triggered me to like turn around and just be like, yo, I'm out. I'm buying a house down the block. So, um, that's right. <laughs> Pulled up down a block. That's right. So, and the house I got is a lot bigger. <laughs> See, look, and I got an extra bedroom. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, I hope, you know, people go out there and at the very least just, you know, buy your house, do own something, do research. I know that's what I'm going to do. You know, based off the information I just received today, talking to you, Mina and Janisa as well, just do some research. Have these open, you know, conversations and dialogue to see where other people is at. I think that's another thing within our culture. We don't really talk money and how to progress forward with it. You know, so I think this is opening up another thing, at least in my life, you know, opening up another conversational piece. So. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you're on any of the audio platforms, thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, please follow us on social media at Mina's House Pod. Uh, on YouTube as well, Mina's House Pod. And thank you to Jamisa for joining us today. And we will all be back in the house next week. Thank you for watching. It's Mina. Say what? Sherlock Homeboy, a.k.a. Garnet Briscoe. Episode 149 of the Mina's House Podcast. Peace.